0: I'm <laughs>
1: of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Vox
2: on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, coming to you on on Monday, March 20th, LA Galaxy 1-1 draw with the Vancouver Whitecaps over the weekend, Saturday night. Some of you there, some of you weren't there. Uh, We're going to talk about that game, talk about what happened before the game, what happened during the game, atmosphere, all that fun stuff. The LA Galaxy, in my personal opinion, just to kick everything off, played their best game of the season. Maybe not saying so much. We'll discuss that and sort of talk about it a little bit. Uh, A big addition to the LA Galaxy's front office. That is going to come later in the show, but I'm sure we're going to hint and talk about that as we move through all these other things as well. Uh, And also rumors. A lot of rumors swirling around today. One of those fell flat. Another one looks like it's falling flat. So we will get to those and get you all the updates as we ready you for Portland coming up. All right. To help me do all this, we're glad to have him back. It's Kevin, the Panda Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy?
0: Hey, I saw a pirate.
2: You you saw you saw what?
0: A pirate, not a Pittsburgh pirate, a real pirate.
2: A real? Uh, can you see well, a real I, pirate?
0: I think, I, I think so. We were. Um, were you at Disneyland? We no, the oh. lovely and talented Mrs. fan and I were—we uh, went out to brunch. Remember brunch? Went out to brunch, and there was a woman in this Mexican restaurant, and she had a parrot on her shoulder the whole time.
2: And so you—I t- think
0: it was—I think the name was Polly.
2: You t- and it so you're—you're you're considering her a pirate then?
0: I, I think she was a pirate. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't ask her, but <laughs> I think she—she's a pirate. By the way, speaking of food, uh-huh. I, I know you didn't, but right. I did. I enjoyed the pupusas again on Saturday. And I was very happy to give my money to a great cause for, uh, in exchange for some good food, by the way. Right. Um, it, I was very happy to see the long line over there too. I got there a little bit late, and the line was was pretty long. I appreciate them allowing me to jump the line in a sense, so I could get back to work. But um, always glad to come over there and support a good cause and get some really good food. Although you know what, I'm
2: not wild about the Salvador no horchata. Okay. Well, that's okay. You don't have to. It's, it's yeah. It, the no, that's the, fine. the pupus, pupusas were still excellent, right?
0: Right and and uh, and the and the of frito is really good. See? And they serve it the correct way with sour cream. Wonderful. People a lot of people don't do. So okay. that was wonderful.
2: I I want to go back to your pirate thing. Uh, two things. Okay. Uh, a long yes. time ago when I, when uh, my wife was my girlfriend and we were dating uh, we went to Disneyland, and afterwards we went out to the uh, – the what's the Tiki Hut that's at uh, the Disneyland? Oh, the Tiki, 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 Tiki not, Room? No, yeah. not, not the Tiki Room. Oh. There's an actual restaurant that's in the hotel. Somebody will remember what the name is. Oh, Trader Sam's. It's Trader Sam's. I remembered it. I'm there. So Trader Sam's, you could get alcohol there. You can do so. So we decided that we were going to go there and have a couple drinks, and you sort of overlook the pool, and we're sitting there. And I swear to God, if you go back and look on my personal like Instagram and go all the way back that day, you will see a picture of this person who looked exactly like a pirate and he didn't work there. It was just a dude and he definitely looked like a pirate. I thought he was a real pirate, too. So I know what you're saying. So that was one thing I wanted to say. Did he have
0: a parrot? He did not have 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 a parrot, parrot. but but
2: the parrot would not have been out of place. And then. Uh, as a second aside, so that way we can go completely crazy and nuts. And by the way, I got a comment from a listener who says that sometimes our show goes too far off the rails and they'd like us to be more structured. <laughs> so in in the vein of that, I would like to Never tell you, happen. I would like to tell you how at the train club uh, we had somebody ride with a parrot on their shoulder. They went to ride the trains with a parrot on their shoulder and that made us have to think about our pet policy and whether or not we need it. we are allowed to have pets on. And what type of pets are you allowed? To, are you allowed to have a ferret? Can you bring a snake on? Could you have a parrot on it? Like there's things you don't think about until all of a sudden somebody has, you know, their support parrot and they need to be able to to ride the train with them. So I just, I just would like to point that out. So off the rails already. That's what I'm trying to do. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. We haven't even started yet. We're already off the rails.
2: Uh, Speaking of trains. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway. Uh, okay. So LA got More for Accelerant
0: Railroad, I guess.
2: Is that, is that what you're, you're going with oh, right now? The rail. The, yeah, yeah. 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 I gotcha. Um, The derail jokes are always funny. Just just want to tell you, Um, you know, uh, there's there's actually a a train joke that I'm not going to tell you that has derailing off the tracks. Yeah, we're going
0: to get back on the hard to stay
2: on the tracks. That was the whole that's the punchline. LA Galaxy one one Vancouver. So opening home opener. Uh, For the L.A. Galaxy, by the way, was always supposed to be the quote unquote home opener because the first game would have been played at the Rose Bowl had it been played. Um, It didn't get played. uh, And so this still would have been the quote unquote home opener for the L.A. Galaxy. So all of that was sort of planned. And and there, Uh, you know, there was obviously a lot of build up to this one. The L.A. Galaxy coming in winless and quite honestly, leaving winless. Uh, That's something we can talk about. Uh, The other was that there was a boycott planned for around 630 um, out in front of the stadium. And we wanted to go and cover that and see that. So uh, that's something we did. And then it's obviously about what the atmosphere inside the stadium and the L.A. Galaxy's play. And I think all these are sort of important things to watch. So you and I uh, get there. I got there and didn't even have time to go inside because I went straight out to the protest. And I met you out there. I saw you. Uh, We waited there for a little while. Right. We were told 630 and they didn't exactly show up on time for for protesting. Uh, I don't know. Is that a punctual activity that you're supposed to if you go to protest? Should you be punctual? they
0: were protesting. They just weren't protesting there. They were marching over from the park.
2: That's right. From Victoria Park, right? Which is about a mile and a half away, I think. So they were they were weaving their way uh, towards us. And eventually that happened. Funny story. Uh, I forgot I was supposed to be on Vancouver radio before the game. So I'm out there with it's sort of talking with everybody and the phone rings. And it says Vancouver, British Columbia. And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be on the radio. And so uh, the producer came in. I'm like, hey, I'm covering this protest. So I'm out here. Is that OK? And they're like, yeah, it should be fine. Whole deal. So of course, as soon as the protest started it was whenever I got to go on the radio. Um, and talked to the guys in Vancouver. So I told them what I was seeing there uh, and previewed the game a little bit for them. Uh, they asked about the protest and whether or not we'd be able to hear that in the stadium. And I gave it my guess, best guess and tried to figure out whether or not that would be felt inside the stadium. So, uh, Kevin, finally the protest shows up. People are protesting. You got to interview some people. What, what general thoughts? What do you have?
0: Well, just everyone was talking about how Klein has not, in, in, their, in their opinion, Klein has not delivered and, and that the, the team has lost contact uh, and lost the respect of a lot of the supporters, that they don't feel like they're uh, part of the equation any longer. They don't feel like they're talked to any longer. Um, you know, one one supporter told me over and over again how disappointing he was with the, with the Galaxy re-signing Chris Klein when, when he is uh, suspended. The idea of he broke the rules and gets rewarded for it. Uh, we'll talk a little bit later about why Chris Klein is not going anywhere. The um, Spoiler alert. Um, and we talk a little bit about that. But that's what the, the supporters were saying, that that this is not the Galaxy that they all grew up with. And everyone I talked to have been fans since the Rose Bowl days. Right. Um, and always come to the opener. Um, and they just talked about how disappointed they are in the direction of the team. If they if they have a direction. Um, one guy told me he didn't think the Galaxy had a culture anymore, uh, which was, of course, what Greg Vanney was brought in to handle it's interesting when you look at the crowd 22 23112 right um fourth largest in mls over the weekend so yeah that's a good crowd smallest for an opener at at uh, for the galaxy since 2013 not including the COVID year of 2021, when, when attendance was limited, so it's a good crowd, but it's not a good crowd by Galaxy standards. Same thing, kind of with the protest. There was a protest that's not good for the Galaxy, but it was much smaller than I think even the supporters anticipated. Uh, LA Sheriff, LA County Sheriff's Department uh, sergeant told me between 250 and 300. The Galaxy pushed back on those figures big time. Even some of the supporters' groups said they thought it was more like 200. But in any case. Even if it's three hundred, I think the supporters thought it was going to be uh, we're hoping for a much larger number than that. yeah, so um you know I, I this this sort of uh, um, um anger and and disappointment and all that was that was supposed to be manifest really wasn't manifest. and it, and one last thing, you didn't see it maybe because you did get there late, but before I went down, I actually looked from the overhang to see what was developing down there. there was a lot of police and security presence, and I don't know whether the galaxy, had intended to shut it down if things started getting—it's private property. They can do whatever they want. Right. Um, I don't know if they were intended to shut it down, whether they those people were just there to protect the protesters or to keep them hemmed in so they didn't go in into the crowd. Or I, I don't know what the intention was, but the police presence there was was I thought kind of heavy.
2: Yeah, I, I would imagine it would be quite honestly. We I was told that the basically the galaxy were allowing the protesters to protest, which is which is nice because as you said, private property. They, they don't they don't have to do that. I, I don't want to give them a ton of credit for it. I think that's the right thing to do. But they did do that. And they were given a time frame of about 15 minutes to be able to do that. And then once that 15 minutes was over, that, that, that they went their ways. Peaceful. Um, a lot of people voicing their concerns. Again, uh, the Galaxy pushed back big time on the number, by the way. You you mentioned it. Uh, they I think they think that number is around 70 to 72 protesters uh, from the 250 to 300. The sheriff said um, Kevin and I would like to point out that uh we didn't count people because that's not our job to count people um and two is that that's not a number we came up with out of our heads right we didn't we didn't come if you asked us i'm sure we have opinions i can give you mine i thought there was about 100 150 to 200 people that felt like what it was but that's a total guess on my part
0: well the reason i went to the sheriff's sergeant i went to a sergeant too i didn't just go to any guy i figured a sergeant was probably in control he was talking to one of the the uh the the organizers of the protest so obviously they were coordinating like we're going to do this we're going to do that we're not going to cause any problems so it was clear that the sergeant was sort of in charge one of the things you learn in journalism 101 is when you're covering an event like this you go to the to the security or police people that are present because they're they're the experts in this they're they don't have a dog in the fight they're not on the galaxy side they're not on the protest side they're independent and and they have to they have to account for this. If they get overrun, they, they have to go back to their off to their to their chief and say, Oh, there were way too many protesters. You know, there was a thousand. We weren't prepared for that. And if nothing happens, they said there was only 50 people there, we we could handle it. But my point is that that you learn again, you learn in journalism 101. Go to the police, they're experts at this, they estimate crowds. Um, and so that's what I did. I went to them and they said 250, 300. If that's a little bit too much, I went to the expert, you know, it's just like <laughs> at, at the end of the game, you look at the scoreboard and that's the score. I went to the guy who knows how to estimate crowds and that's what he told me.
2: Yeah. So anyway, so we get that. Um, so again, that, that protest was there. Uh, I talked about it on the Vancouver radio. They were actually very interested in the whole thing and whether or not it would affect inside. So let's talk about inside um, standard late arriving crowd. Wasn't surprised. Somebody kept people kept asking me to to judge the atmosphere before the game. I'm like, chill out. Like you can't look at a Galaxy game until 15 or 20 minutes before like into the game before everybody finally gets settled. Um, and in there, uh, I will say, and this is from my personal experience, there's absolutely a difference. And if you went there and said there was no difference, then I don't know that you've been to a galaxy game before. There's like severe difference. Somebody on Twitter nailed it and I don't know who it was, but I saw it. They're like, y-, and, and here was my, my general thing. And then I'll tell you what they said. My general thing, Kevin was that in moments of excitement, in moments of anger, in moments of, oh, they're going to score in moments of buildup, good plays, bad plays, booing, that type of thing. The stadium was... It's pretty much normal. It would you would be hard pressed to sort of tell that there was, you know, any, any sort of people missing in those moments. Right. But it's all the moments in between where you noticed it. It was the, it was quiet in between. Whenever the ball was being passed around the midfield, you know, at the center stripe and there wasn't a lot of press and there wasn't a lot of things going, it was quiet. The atmosphere was was more subdued, right? And somebody said it was a baseball crowd. Doesn't that make a whole bunch of sense that like it was a baseball crowd? Yeah. Like because yeah. baseball, yeah. You, yeah. Sit, you sit there and you wait for something to happen. Then, you, oh yeah, very good. Nice job. Woohoo. Yay. And then, then it dies down and then it's quiet again. And that's well, what it felt like.
0: No, there was no rhythmic chanting. There was no drumming. There was none of that uh, that almost background noise that you get used to it, it to the point where Cosmo was banging on the, on the, the signage at the, behind the goal. And it, 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 the first couple of times we heard that we were
2: wondering if, you know, it sounded like a drum, it, where was Kevin, it coming from? Kevin, it took me 20 minutes to figure out it was Cosmo doing, I'm like, who's banging? Like somebody's making a really loud noise whenever it's quiet. Who is doing that? Like I was looking but for the, the person. The fact that you could hear it tells us it was quiet.
0: Some people said they could hear the players on the field. I talked to a couple of people about that, and they, they said that they could not from where they were sitting. Uh, they weren't going to say the other people were lying, but they, they didn't hear that. But the fact that Cosmo could bang the end boards and you could hear it in the press box half the stadium away clearly, almost to the point where it woke you up, um, You know it, that gives an indication the crowd was not as noisy as it generally is.
2: And And I think that's the thing now. Um, What I say it was, uh, you know, it had a, a I don't know that the atmosphere had a negative effect on things. Right. I don't think that it was like, oh, my God, this is horrible. The whole deal. But it's definitely different. It's really strange. But you and I watched games in empty stadiums during covid. And that was really weird. Right. We would sit there and be like, okay, is this a real game or is this not a real? That feels like a dream, by the way. It doesn't feel like that actually happened, Kevin. But we went and we saw games. In person, when there was nobody in that stadium, there were like 35 people like, you know, with press and everybody else sort of watching. That was it. It wasn't that Um, it was a game. And with 23,000 people, I mean, we could always get into the attendance debate, right? Just the tickets distributed argument, because we do that constantly throughout the years, even if there is no boycott. Um, but it, they're staying consistent with what it is. Take it's distributed. It's not attendance. It's not how many people are in the building. And usually in a regular game, I would tell you there's usually two to three to 4,000 less people than they say there are with the seats. There were definitely seats empty. Um, it was full, uh, full-ish, uh, but there were definitely seats empty. You could see it all across, across the stadium, especially yeah, from I where we probably,
0: sit. I think you estimated somewhere around, maybe it was 20,000. Sure.
2: I, I mean, 1920, that sounds about right. But by the way, I would probably guess that, you know, if the supporters were in their places, I probably would have said, you know, 2021, you know, sort of in that vein. Um, But Victoria Block was very empty. That side of the stadium was was more uh, deserted. Uh, You know, I I did get information um, that there was about 70 percent that they had supporters. Tickets were scanned at about a 70 percent rate. So people who have supporters tickets, um, they're able to scan tickets whenever they come in. I mean, that's that's another thing. Kevin, we know that the Galaxy know exactly how many people are in the stadium every single night because they have ticket scanners, and that's all that stuff is made to do was count people and figure out where they are, right? Um, We know we never get those numbers.
0: Well, let me just explain. A, A lot of leagues, the NHL is one. Um, and I believe the NBA is one as well, and MLS, they announced tickets distributed. That means that's the number of tickets that they handed out. Now, theoretically, and I'm not accusing the Galaxy of doing this, the Galaxy actually seemed to have one of the better policies in the league. The Galaxy could go to a radio station and say, here's 1,000 tickets to give away, and the radio station could throw them in the trash. The Galaxy are going to count those as tickets that were distributed, okay? Not tickets sold, not people in the ballpark. Major League Baseball counts tickets sold. That, again, is not a turnstile count. Now, what you said about the tickets being scanned, the Galaxy, we've asked for attendance figures for years, true attendance, and they never give it to us. Well, we find out now that they're scanning, and they'll share that with us to show that the boycott's not working. Right. But uh, you know, if it's embarrassing and 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 the attendance tolls are not what they say it is, they don't want to share that. I, I will say the Galaxy are, are one of the better teams in MLS. I mean, Orlando and I think Colorado and Dallas are ones that really abuse that policy. I did an investigation of this uh, several years ago and actually found out that the Orlando numbers were off by a third. They Mm -hmm. actually have a turnstile count because it's a city facility. The old stadium was a city facility. The tickets distributed and the actual turnstile count was off by a third. The galaxy nowhere near that. But, I just find it interesting that all these years they 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 keep telling us tickets distributed, and we find out now that they do actually have a scan rate and a scan number they could give
2: us. Yeah, I, I did, I, and I you know I want to point out they had a seventy percent scan rate for for supporters' tickets. Now um, I, I asked around if anybody thought that that was a reasonable, and I got some yeses. That's probably reasonable. So that is what it is, um, you know. But the bottom line is, if those people were in the stadium, they were not in their seats, right? Because for the most part, you could see that there were empty sections there. Um, so anyway. Interesting. We talk about the atmosphere. That's go goes. Okay, so now we get to the LA Galaxy in the game. 1-1 draw. Uh, we've talked about that already. Uh, the LA Galaxy score three goals in this game. Only one of them counted. Uh, we'll, t- we'll talk about all that as well. Uh, the lineup for this, especially here, um, looking a-, a little bit different. Greg Vaney tweaked something, and we were waiting for this tweak. We've been waiting to see if this could be explored or if this could be looked at. Um, which was starting Tyler Boyd. So Tyler Boyd started his first MLS start with the LA galaxy um, on that left hand side, uh, the number 11 shirt. Uh, so you sort of had, and, and I know MLS sort of has them in a 4-1-4-1, one 4-1. That's probably not correct. And it didn't really play that way. Um, there's a lot of interchange between the three and actually the, the four midfielders uh, central midfielders. They have with Efraín Álvarez in there and Ricky Pooge and Mark Delgado and Gaston Brugman, and then Tyler Boyd on the outside as well. All right. So, um, I saw you can, and by the way, the back line, uh, Jalen Neal kept his starting spot. Uh, Caceres is in there. Edwards on the left hand side. Leardam on the right hand side. I thought Leardam and Edwards both had pretty good games. I thought Jalen Neal had a pretty good game. I thought uh, was was pretty good. I thought the defense, for the most part, kept uh, Vancouver frustrated. Uh, for the night save for the, for the goal on the set piece. Um, and there was one big chance that uh, that Jonathan Klinsman had to come out and we have to talk about that as well. Um, but the bottom line is that Greg Vanny went for a little more width here, Kevin. Okay. So a little more width. He needed, he needed to, he needed to. Yeah. And, and that's where Tyler Boyd sort of comes in. And I will say that there's already an improvement whenever you get that width on the outside Dayon on was more involved in the game, right? We saw him taking shots, um, you know, and, and being dangerous and scoring, did he score twice or once. I think he scored once. Um, but he it scored was once. The handball, the mystery handball uh goal. There. He
0: set up the other goal, but he was offside, which led right. to the goal. That right. That would,
2: Pugas, that would have been Pujas. That would have been Pujas because that was really that was really nice buildup as well. But um, you know, the the bottom line was there were changes here, and this is as this team sort of morphs back into a uh, a lineup that we're expecting, right? And. I know it's a big sort of thing to talk about, but still with Chicharito out, with Douglas Costa out, with uh, Lucas Caligari, who dressed for the first time was on the bench. Um, he had, I think Greg Vanny said, one and a half trainings with the club before before he's on the bench. So I think they were probably a little uh, hesitant to put him in, um, knowing that he hasn't gotten to train a whole bunch with the club uh, just yet. So I would imagine that Portland is a much better chance for him. And we're expecting, I think, that Leardam should be gone on international duty. Although I think there was some calls there that perhaps he could make back from Suriname be ready for that Portland game. So we'll, uh, we'll keep
0: is on. out, however. Jovolic will be out for Portland.
2: And, and Wills. And that's going to be a big talking point, right? Chicharito coming back. To, so if Chicharito is healthy enough to play, do you play him on turf, right? So I,
0: I think Costa and Chicharito are still both out. I, I wouldn't play them on turf. Those, those are lower leg injuries or leg injuries. Um, the turf is going to beat them up. Their first game back, if they had played a game or even a half, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, I, I know that this. Greg, one thing about Greg Vanny is these early season games, as we've seen, he is doing a great job of not panicking. He knows that there are, you know, 30 plus games left to go. He's not going to jeopardize the whole season for one game, even if the team is winless after three games. Right. Um, he's not going to jeopardize the whole season. Uh, the, the hamstring thing, we saw with Chicharito a couple years ago, the calf just never went away. Hamstring is even more of that kind of injury that never really heals during a season. I'm not really sure what Costa's uh, problem is, exactly what it is. Um, you know, I, I would not risk either one of those. Of course, I'm not there at training. I don't see what they're like. Right. But uh, you know, unless they're if they weren't well enough to play last Saturday, I wouldn't risk them in, in in playing at Portland at all.
2: I I think I think there there will be some some push to get Chicharito back there. I, I like Preston Judd. I just don't think the LA Galaxy will start Preston Judd. Maybe he goes around it. Maybe Ricky Pouge starts at the uh, up top at uh, forward or something like that. Maybe Tyler Boyd starts up at top at a forward. I mean, you can do a bunch of crazy wacky things that would be really difficult for us to uh, sort of figure out. And try to do right, um, but that could be an answer for that. But anyway, I really like Tyler Boyd getting on the outside, providing things, uh, providing some service, providing some. I mean, he sat his defender down. Did you see the one wherever he uh, he deked him into the box, and uh, the defender went one way, and he went the other way? Um, so, so some some good stuff. Well, not great. Just a better overall product from the LA Galaxy from back line to front line. Um, still not finishing probably at the rate that they think that they should. Uh, and if you looked at expected goals in any of this, uh, you're going to be sadly disappointed to know that the largest chance the LA Galaxy had, they scored, which was the .65 from, uh, from Kelvin Leardam, who scored his first goal in three years, I think. Uh, great little post game talk with Kelvin Leardam as well. I, I don't know how you could... Like sort of see a nicer guy with Kelvin Leardam and just like a genuine guy. We he talked about this was the feel-good moment sort of of the, the whole thing. But Kelvin Leardam talked whenever he was asked how it feels to score a goal. And he goes, Everybody loves to score goals because it brings us back to our childhood because everybody started playing this game as a child, wanting to score goals and wanting to wanting to, you know, be that difference maker and that goal score and those things. And Kelvin Leardam says, you know, that's why guys celebrate so much when they score goals is because it takes them back to that childhood. That's a really fun, amazing uh, little way to look at that. But Kelvin Leardam scores in this. Jonathan Bond comes out injured in this game, Kevin. Uh, that was a little scary for him. And I thought a very dirty play on the Vancouver side um, that he got pushed into uh, that. But uh, he stayed down for a while. You, are you any concern with Jonathan Bond?
0: Yeah, he uh, you know, we saw him leave the stadium with his arm and his left arm in a sling. It's a shoulder. Um, uh, Greg Vanny told us after the game that he wouldn't know until today, Monday, and we haven't heard anything from the galaxy about that. Um, so we don't know the extent of the injury. Um, but when he left in a sling, that was not good. Um, well, he I, did stay on the bench in uh, through the half though. He didn't go right to the dressing room. At least I don't think no, he did. No, he he did. Him.
2: He went to the dressing room, but then uh, there's some photos of him standing in the tunnel with his sling on and watching the rest okay. of the game. So, if a guy has a broken shoulder, it's unlikely that he's out there standing and, you know, sort of walking around. We actually got to see him come through the press conference, as you were saying. Uh, he came through and walked through the press conference and his arm was in a sling and it was like, oh, man, that sucks. That's not good. But Greg Vanney uh, in his post game, sort of said, you know, the guy's not like in unbearable pain. So we don't think it's super serious. Uh, and it may have just got jammed. Maybe it's a bone bruise or something like that. Um, but Jonathan Bond. I would I would venture a guess right now will not be playing in Portland. Um, That's seems- and he, and he's only missed three
0: games since he came here two two plus seasons ago. So, uh, you know, Klingsman didn't play in an MLS game all of last year. Um, so this was his first appearance of the, uh, this was his first appearance since 2021. By the way, um, you talked about how this was the Galaxy's best performance and they, they looked a little more offensive. This is the first they outshot Vancouver twenty to twelve. I th- believe this is the first game that they have outshot the opponents. I mean they got. Pummeled in Kansas City as far as shots on target go, uh, shots and shots on target. Uh, so the Galaxy moving in the right direction. And Greg talked about that afterwards about how this team is not the team that we're going to see in June, July, and August. No Chicharito, no Costa. No Sega Koulibaly, still uncertain where he is. I mean, Gary on the bench.
2: Yeah, I was going to say Sega is a question mark in terms of if he's a starter right now, too, because, I mean, things have moved on sort of without him. You got Mavinga in there. You got Sega. You got Kossaris. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not touching Jalen Neal. I'm leaving Jalen Neal exactly where he is. So there's only one center back spot right now. And Greg can go to three center backs. But for me, not touching anything that's happening with Jalen Neal right but, now.
0: If Sega comes back and 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 the Galaxy are counting kind on of him because they're as Greg said they're going to play 50 games and they're going to need some depth and they're going to need it at center back uh, and that's a position where you just can't throw a young guy I mean Jalen Neal is is the exception that proves the rule but you just can't throw a young guy in there and say you know we're going to count on you so Sega's going to be important but if you look at the we don't know where Sega is Caligari is not playing. Um, there's some rumors of other players coming in. We could literally have five or six guys starting in June who aren't even here, aren't even on the field right now. Yeah. Um, so this remains a, a work in progress. The Galaxy is going to get, they're going to get better. Um, how much better? I don't know. And and you know, th- there's still some holes. I think they need another winger. If Tyler Boyd's going to be one wing, I think they need somebody on the other side. Maybe Costa becomes that guy. Um, but this is not the finished product, and it's difficult to be. It's unfair to be too hard on the Galaxy right now because this is not their team.
2: Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, I, I there's there are parts of this game that give me a lot of confidence. I'm way higher on the Galaxy. Um, in terms of this game, and I know people were saying it was a boring game. I actually thought that there was some really nice, um, you know, footballing plays in this. I thought there were some some good open moments. I thought that there was some really crappy early season moments too. There was a times when the when teams were just giving the ball back and forth to each other. Um, I, I didn't think that Vancouver posed a significant offensive threat. They were overtly physical with Ricky Pouge early on. I, I forget how many yellow cards, and I probably have it here. <clears throat> Let's see. I have it. One, two, three. Um, and I'm sure I think some of their subs got one, but they got three yellow cards. Um, uh, Vancouver did, and they earned all of them. And and the the play I was talking about with Jonathan Bond. Um, is one where I said I thought it was dirty when the Whitecaps player pushes Raheem Edwards into Jonathan Bond. Everybody knows that play. Everybody's been a part of that play. If you've played soccer for even, you know, a couple hours, there's always going to be that play where you're chasing and as the defender, you're putting yourself between you and the offensive player and the ball. And then whenever the goalkeeper comes in there, you're going to try to hold off and stay close to your goalkeeper, but sort of shield him and when you get pushed into him and then that causes a shoulder injury, that's dirty. Uh, I thought the Whitecaps were were uh, guilty of of being dirty players. Raheem Edwards, by the way, does get the award for the best tackle of the night, though. That was two hands, uh, upper body, uh, wrapped his legs around, dragged his man down. Uh, no no penalty, on, no flag on the play at all, <clears throat> as far as I was concerned. Uh, but a football tackle, an American football tackle that uh, you don't get to see every day.
0: Well, and, and you know, going back to the to the again the Galaxy lineup. So this is not their real team, and and as you said, they're getting better each week. Um, I think there is a little bit of criticism to be, to, to, to be leveled over. Well, you know, we're three games of the season, really four weeks into the season because they didn't play the first week. Why, why don't we have the real team here? Why, why, you know, Julian Araujo, I understand that one that, you know, he left late and, and they, they do have Caligari and um, you know, they never really replaced um, Kevin Cabral. He left in December. They, they lost Samuel Granciar. That was a surprise. Um, he hasn't been replaced. So on one hand, you look at it and you say, yeah, well, Greg Nanny doesn't have all of his all of his bullets yet. Uh, and and so, you know, he's being cautious. But on the other hand, um, how come he's does, he wasn't better prepared for this offseason? Uh, yeah. And, and and why are we still waiting?
2: I, I think that's going to be a criticism. I think that his counterpoint to it, and I think it was deliberate, was that they wanted to be deliberate with the picks that they had. Right. And they didn't they wanted to make sure they got the guys that they wanted in the positions they wanted. And yes, we can criticize the timing of it. Vanny's probably going to be right, though, that the end of the season is when you need to be, need to be playing your best in these first games. He's never going to say they don't count, but the Galaxy have sort of treated this like those first kind of game. First couple of games are not that important, um, are less important than some of the others. And so as they're sort of building out this roster and doing those things, I think the Galaxy get better. There was some intricate passing on the inside, which. I think you really have to love to see, uh, you know, Puj and Brugman, I think, struggled in the first half and opened up and played much better in the second half. Uh, Brugman looked gas in that in that second half. I think he came out around the the 70th minute, if I remember correctly, or maybe he was one of the later substitutions. Uh, but he came out of the game. Um, you know, I think the sub that they had to use for Klinsman coming in for Bond. And I don't think that there is in my opinion, watching this, I don't think there's much drop off between Klinsman and Bond. I really don't. Um, in fact, the, well, they're both named Jonathan. Yeah. I mean, you can't even get it wrong. If you just yell Jonathan back there, you're going always going to get the right guy. Um, but I don't see a drop off. So I don't see the LA galaxy. Quite honestly, the Klinsman signing and and retain, you know, retaining him as a backup has been is really smart because he's a capable goalkeeper. He may not be the best goalkeeper in Major League Soccer. Jonathan Bond isn't the best goalkeeper in Major League Soccer. They're very similar on level on stature, I think, and how they play. Um, so there's no there's no missing anything back there. And I thought that you saw that Jonathan Klinsman played 70 minutes of that game. Uh, and I don't know that there's a footnote that you really need to make about it. One, he wasn't that busy, but two, he handled everything exactly, probably the way that he should have. There was nothing, there's nothing to talk about with him.
0: You know what was interesting, speaking of talking about, um, he came into the press conference afterwards and, and you know, of course he was asked, you know, how do you come off the bench ready? And he said, well, you prepare yourself every game like you're going to be in there and play and, and you're ready to go and you warm up and you think you're going to be out there. And that's the stuff they always say. And so I wanted him to go beyond that because right. that was just way too trite. Right. Um, you know, I said, look, you didn't play at all last season in MLS. You came to 34 games and you never got in. And now all of a sudden you come in to a game you're losing one to nothing and you 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 come out with a draw, you played really well. How did you do that? And he said and then he kind of opened up a little bit and said that when he he drives to the game um, every week expecting to play, and then he drives home pissed yep. after every game that he didn't play. And he said, tonight, I'm going to drive home and I'm not going to be pissed for the first time. Yeah, he, you know, was, since he, was 2021.
2: Like, he used a different words, but he goes, he goes, you know, it's like you drive up to the stadium and, and like today's drive was really, he said, he said the SH word and we're going to say crappy, right? He said, you know, the drive up to the stadium was crappy and it was and making me angry that I wasn't going to play and that I was going to be out here. But it's like it's knowing that that could happen. Um, and so it was it was nice. It was it was refreshing to sort of hear him. Uh, and I, I do like the kid. Uh, outside of uh, the land of Donovan comments from way long ago. Uh, he's he's matured into a fine goalkeeper, I think. And I think the Galaxy are okay. That means Bond can get healthy and do what he needs to do. And so there's no panic there.
0: You know what I like what I heard from him? And and obviously this is what you would expect, but still, it's still nice to hear it. There wasn't any of that like, oh, shucks, I got lucky. I got my hand up in time. You know, he came off the bench. He's not the starter. He came off the bench, played really well. But again, he gave off an air like, of course I did. Of course I made that save. Of course mm-hmm. I came off my line when I had to. Totally, you know, he came off as being very confident and very sure of himself. Um, and in that position, holy cow! I mean, of, of any position on the field, that's the one where you need to be confident, and sure of yourself.
2: Yeah, and he made that really good fingertip save. I think there towards the end that was pushed the ball over the over the over the uh, bar, and that was exact again exactly what he needed to do. Exactly what you wanted to see. Uh, from him in these particular cases. So I got that. Uh, Efrain Alvarez was fine. Uh, if we're going through some some of the other players that are out here, we could sort of take a look. And, you know, Ricky Puj gave the ball away too much in the first half, had a much better second half. Brugman, probably the same. Delgado got involved up to a certain point. I thought Alvarez got involved to a certain point. A quieter game from Alvarez, a bigger game from Boyd to start off with. Raheem Edwards didn't have to defend as much. And whenever he doesn't have to defend as much, he has a better game. Kelvin Leardan was probably my man of the match. Uh, he scores a goal and he was involved in all the other goals that got called back. Um, so he was one of those guys that I thought, uh, you know, had a, had a standout game. Uh, the goal, the galaxy allowed is going to be frustrating for them. Um, you know, if you Greg Vanny explained it as, you know, one guy dropped and the rest of the guys didn't, didn't go with him. Uh, and if you watch it, it's the drop on the, on the fake, whenever they go up and run up and stop at the ball, the person who dropped was Alvarez. He takes a huge step inside to cover his man. And then whenever he sees the play isn't coming, he stops. Uh, and that now splits Jalen Neal between two guys and Neal has to track his guy and he wasn't going to get front side of that guy. It wasn't happening. The ball was in the right spot there. Um, and so it was a, it was a well-designed play. Um, it's one that you would hope wouldn't be, you know, what you wouldn't fall for on, on the defensive side of things. Um, but again, when you do, when you bite hard or you drop when you're not supposed to, you reset the line. And so the line you watch Jalen Neal jump with Ephra because Ephra jumps Uh, And now they're both sort of behind the play whenever that happens. And you can't have that jump because if you're a central defender and if you see a guy drop that's not supposed to drop now, all of a sudden, you know, you're going to be behind the play. So you need to catch up um, and try to be there. I remember that happening so many times.
0: I agree with you. I thought it was a really well-designed play. The little hesitation opened up that space. Gressel had a really nice free kick, you know, the cross. And then the header was a bullet. Nice header.
2: Yeah, it was oh, very nice. Um, and the Galaxy's goal was sort of a, a little bit of a flub, too, if you want to sort of uh, look at that. The handball is the one that everybody's going to talk about. There was a goal line clearance, I think, in the first half as well um, that was that was really well played. The Galaxy had some nice buildup, some nice passing in tight spaces. They opened up some some good lanes. Raheem Edwards overlapping into the box a lot. Dam getting forward and getting involved in the play. Tyler Boyd cutting inside. All that stuff was working very nicely. It just the final product really wasn't there. The handball at the end of the game—it's an interesting one. Uh, I think Greg Vanny got it right whenever he said that there is no way that the referee could have made that call when he's twenty yards away and directly behind the play. He can't see that ball um, because
0: it was a, the ball was on the chest. It was can't the, really the
2: chest or, or chest to shoulder, possibly armpit. You know, and if it hits the problem is if it hits that lower part of the arm, it's going to be called a handball. Um, when we watch the replays. Uh, And I saw the first replay. I was like, you know, to me, that doesn't hit an arm. And I said, that goal should probably count. But then when you realize that the referee called a handball on the field, now I look at that and say, There's not enough evidence to overturn that. And I understand why it didn't. We uh, Scott French, who is the other pool reporter uh, in in uh, at the stadium with me, we we yelled over to each other. I'm like, I don't think I have a question on it. I know what they're going to say. I know what they saw. Like you could sort of deduce exactly what was going to happen. Did the Galaxy get screwed? Uh, Yeah, they did. Because the referee, the center referee shouldn't have made that call. Uh, So it wasn't a handball in my opinion, but once you give it to VAR to try to overturn for clear and obvious mistake, I don't think there's enough
1: there to, to overturn it.
0: and and see, that's the point. If the referee had let the goal stand and then said, I'm going to take a look at VAR, perhaps Vancouver has a, has a legitimate beef here. Maybe it was a handball. Then he says, no, no, there's not enough to overturn the goal. Instead it was backwards. I'm going to call a handball, and there's not enough to overturn the handball because, again, it has to be clear and and obvious evidence. By the way, you said three goals. I I think the the Ricky Poug goal, um, it really nice buildup, but I think uh, you know I think Živoljic was clearly offside on that one. Um, The handball was. Yeah. Uh, less clear. I mean, I, the handball, I, I think I wrote that it was it was a dubious call at best. Yeah, Um. I, I, I don't even think that that's doing justice to it. I, th- I think it was a goal.
2: Well, and there were shouts for the Vancouver goal to be offside as well, because he was right. It was it's he's probably shoulder uh level with with Jalen Neal on that. So I'm again, I'm sort of like there's probably not enough evidence to overturn that. Um But This is what you're, you know, it's sort of refereeing one-on-one now, Kevin, is that you try to let the goals stand and then you'll overturn them whenever there's clear and obvious evidence that they shouldn't stand. Um, And in this case, the referee got it wrong. And that's unfortunate because the Galaxy could have had, you know, uh, an extra two points here and we wouldn't be calling them the winless LA Galaxy through three. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. It's not the way it should have gone. I think Greg Vanny is... Maybe a little disingenuous to saying it came down to one play, but I'm also a big believer in that. It did come down to one play. The Galaxy put the ball in the back of the net, you know, um, in that play. They did what they were supposed to do. They created the chop. They created the chance. The ball bounced to Joblich and Joblich buried it when he did. I don't know that you can fault anybody for that. That is that is exactly what should have happened, except for the referee didn't get it right this time. So that's what Well, that's And what you I'm.
0: talked about they, they, they need to let the play continue. I know that linesmen are are told not to raise the offside flag until the play is over. Right. Let the goal score, raise the offside flag, and then you have a VAR that you can go look at. Um, don't stop the play until it's concluded. I guess with center referees, it's a little bit different. They need to make a call. Um sometimes they have to make it while the play is still going on or or in this case after the play call it back. He's already made his decision. The center referee is in a little bit more of a difficult position. But but exactly what you said, the point being let the play continue to the final until uh, t- it concludes, and then and then make your call. That's what lines would do.
2: Yeah, expected goals for the LA Galaxy 1.8. Again, the largest one of those comes for basically almost half of that, or at least a third of it is 0. .65 with the Lear Dam goal. The Galaxy, again, chipping away at these chances, Kevin. It's not clear and obvious that they are definitely having scoring opportunities and not converting them. There's a lot of little scoring opportunities, and maybe one big one. There's another big one that sort of happened at the beginning of the game, uh, a bigger one. Uh, where you would expect the galaxy maybe get a little bit more of a push, but again they're chipping at it. Ricky Pooch, love his shots from distance. Don't want to see him taking them all the time. Uh, he hasn't hit the target yet. Maybe eventually those will really start keying in and getting on target. Um, and you need those sometimes to make the get make the defense come out to you so that way you can create more space. I understand it, but we've seen a lot of shots from distance from Brugman, from Pooch, from Efrain, uh, trying to get sort of those wonder goals. And I think Greg Vanny has even mentioned it. He wants them to you know. Be a little more patient with some of that. Um, So, yeah, that's sort of where we sit right there. Uh, A big super chat from uh, Herb. uh, Sugar Daddy Herb is in the in the house. Uh, $14.27 super chat says, hey, Josh, hey, Kevin, any of you know why the Galaxy don't advertise promote the Spanish radio broadcast on 1330 a.m.? Rolando Gonzalez has been calling the games for quite a few years now. Kevin, did you know the LA Galaxy had a, a Spanish radio broadcast? I kind of did. But, it, you know, you're right.
0: There's not much talk or promotion about it. A lot of talk about what's going to happen to Joe, to Tino, what's going to happen to Kobe, all that kind of stuff. What's going to happen to Nikki K. A lot of talk about the broadcasters. But no, we don't really hear much about Spanish. And what's interesting is the Galaxy forever and ever in a day have always said that they want to be they want to market to that community. That's why they brought in Gio. That's why they brought in Chicharito. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd think they'd be doing more with that.
2: I I think so. Herb, I have no idea. Um, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure somebody will send me a note tomorrow to, to enlighten me uh, about all these things. But, um, but as of right now, no, I don't know why they don't broadcast that. We had Joe on our show on Thursday night to promote his, uh, involvement with, uh, with Apple TV and doing the home games. And then he's even doing the away games too. It's just on YouTube. Um, and the radio stream that they have there instead of, uh, you know, just uh, on the Apple TV. So you can always listen to Joe. It's just a matter of whether or not it gets, it syncs up with everything. Let's, uh, Let's get to the LA Galaxy schedule coming up. Obviously, the 1.30 p.m. kickoff time on Saturday. Um, That game's against the Portland Timbers up at Providence Park. This is a Fox game, so it's on Fox, and it's a free Apple TV game. Uh, It was really fun to see people complaining about the LA Galaxy being behind a paywall on Saturday night, except they weren't behind a paywall. It was for free on Apple TV. Um, So occasionally, there are games that are free. This one will be over the air on Fox, and it will be a free game. Uh, free Apple TV game as well. So you can get this. It, yeah, go
0: go one beyond that. Look what happens when they come back home for the second home game.
2: And then the second home game comes back. It's LA Galaxy versus. Well, so you have LA Galaxy versus the Seattle Sounders uh, starting off April. And then that uh, mid-April match after the Galaxy go away to, uh, way to Houston and back that April 16th game is LA Galaxy and LAFC and El Trafico. That game is on Fox. Um, that game is also on Apple TV. All games are on Apple TV. I don't know why it just says Fox on it, but it will be on Apple TV as well. Um. So, anyway, and
0: also on thirteen thirty in Spanish.
2: Yeah, exactly on thirteen thirty. You know, we should just start. There you go. We should start. We doing should it. start doing it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll we'll tell you. We'll try to remind you every time that that you can that listen That is our mission in and, life now in in Spanish. Um, On thirteen thirty AM. All right. Um, So that's the schedule that sort of sits there. If we look at the standings, uh, the Eastern Conference is led by Atlanta. Uh, Almeida over there is just scoring goals like you can't believe that dude. It was funny because uh, I think we were talking in the press box, Kevin. Maybe it was you or maybe it was somebody else. We were talking like he didn't play a bunch in the World Cup. He is, you know, Argentina ends up winning. No, he never played, but he got a he got a medal. But he got a medal, and all of a sudden, and I was joking with the hammer on a text. I was going, you know, this guy didn't didn't get much time or didn't play in the World Cup, and if the way he's playing in Major League Soccer, you would you would think that he was the reason they won. Um, you know, just the he's just on a tear right now four goals, four assists in well, four games. So what
0: does that tell you? A guy that didn't even get off the bench for Argentina's World Cup team and dominating MLS does that mean Argentina is that good or MLS is that bad or he should have got a chance? I, I yeah, I, I guess I don't know what it means, but I do believe I think I heard this stat. He is the first MLS player to win a World Cup while being an active MLS player. Obviously, there's others that have come and been in world cups and stuff right but he's the first active mls player or or first mls player to win a world cup while he's an an active member of mls
2: yeah it would be uh it's it's just fun to watch anyway so that's atlanta uh and the western conference of course that's st louis because i'm sure everybody had st louis winning their first four games right first time ever in uh in expansion history that the uh the expansion team has won the first four games is that correct and Yes,
0: and they started out by winning in, in Austin, and I believe it was Tex- well, Texas weather, and then they played this game 15 degrees, and I think it snowed at one point. Yep. So not only have they gone 4-0, the first team ever to win their first four games as an expansion team, but they've done it in all kinds of different weather.
2: Yes, they have. Um, so it's it's been sort of a, a crazy uh, run for them. So they're number one there. LA Galaxy currently in 12th spot, uh, one point out of a playoff position, just in case you're trying to count for the early ones.
0: It's impossible to be outside of a playoff position. In,
2: <laughs> I'm sure there'll be somebody. Uh, St. Louis uh, lead, currently leads the Supporters' Shield with Atlanta right behind him, just case in case. New England um, in there with nine points in third place. And just, just again, yeah, pay attention. I think New England just handled Nashville over the weekend, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, they beat them. And, and who's who's New England's coach again?
2: Uh, that's Bruce Reno.
0: Yeah, it is. (sighs)
2: Um, Let's get to a little bit of rumors here uh, before we hit uh, our last main topic before the end of the show. Um, There was a lot of talk about uh, Admir uh, coming from Atletico Monero. Um, And so there's there's a whole bunch of stuff going on right now with this. Um, And there was links to the LA Galaxy. Now all those links seem to have... Seem to be indicating that the LA Galaxy have been outbid for Adamir. That he will not be coming to the LA Galaxy. This was the the winger that was sort of the right winger that was going to come in and sort of provide that right wing depth. Uh, we were trying to figure out how you make it a tam play and all that stuff. That seems to have fallen apart here um, towards towards the end of it. Uh, you still have a mute button, Kevin. You can still use it instead of everybody listening to you blow your nose. Just letting you know, you can use that mute button at any time. Uh, so I'm
0: afraid I'm going to lose, and then I'll be gone forever.
2: That's okay. Nobody will miss that. Uh, nobody will miss okay. you or, or you blowing your nose. Um, the other one was that there was for a while today, and I held off because I figured this was the case. Um, there was this, uh, this young midfielder named, uh, let's see, Bogus. Bogus uh, is is his, his last name. It's Matuas Bogus uh, from Leeds United. Uh, and everybody was thinking he was 21 years old and that perhaps the LA Galaxy were going after him. That's what some of the reports had said. But of course, this was a mistaken identity. Um, there's only one team in Los Angeles whenever it goes across the sea, and it's the LA Galaxy, and they got it confused. This signing looks like it's going to LAFC and has been linked to LAFC for quite a while. So I don't think anybody will be surprised. So those are your rumors right now. Julian Aude, which we've talked about a whole bunch, that still seems like that's a done deal. Um, and that will, I would imagine, be announced here in the next, this next week, um, as long as all the paperwork's lined up and all the, all the T's and all that stuff get crossed. Um, so Julian Aude coming in uh, to be that left back, possibly to move Raheem Edwards and, into and, a winger or wingback role.
0: And then he's going to be a U22 player. So Efrain moves, correct?
2: Yeah, Efrain will go the to Tam. Works. Yeah, we will go to Tam. We talked about that because the transfer fees attached with everybody else. Efrain Alvarez makes the most sense to just go over to Tam. Again, he's not getting a raise. I know a lot of people get upset about that. Uh, I think he still has homegrown status. Um, I don't but, know if but, that but changes. Go
0: Go, go back and explain that because the reason that it's going to be a U-22 spot is because of the transfer fee. It has nothing to do with the salary. He's not going to get a million, billion dollars. Right. It's the transfer fee.
2: Yeah, and, and so basically whenever you're doing a TAM contract, and we've talked about this, but when you're doing a TAM contract, you have to uh, factor in the acquisition fee. So if you get a transfer for a million dollars and then you pay somebody $600,000 for a salary, their total... Uh, TAM money there is $1.6 million, right? If it was on a one-year deal, that's how that would that would go out. Uh, with U-22 rules, there are unlimited acquisition fees. So you don't have to account for the transfer fee, but you have to have a salary that's for the player that's under $650,000. So technically speaking, this would never happen. You could pay spend $20 million, Kevin, for a player, um, and you wouldn't have to count that as long as his salary was under 650 and he was a U22 player. Right. So if that, a
0: guy's worth 20 million dollar transfer fee, he's not going to get 650.
2: That's that's why it would never happen. It's just a, <laughs> yeah. just, a, just a, sort of one of those things to, to point out. OK, so um, so that's why Efrain Alvarez, who already makes seven hundred thousand dollars a year, I believe, will go to Tam. Um, which there's uh 650 is the max budget. So it's only really a hundred and something thousand or maybe even $50,000 a Tam, maybe a little bit more, but he hits the cap differently too. Cause u 22 at his age, I think was a $150,000 cap hit. Well now on Tam, he will take a larger cap hit and they will use some of that Tam to buy his cap back down. We don't know what those numbers are because they will never tell us, but that's what's uh, going to happen whenever uh, that goes through. Um, Let's clear talk. As mud. Yeah, I know. Let's talk about the big acquisition, though. And uh, I think you have some original reporting to to confirm as well. But uh, it was announced. Uh, and remember, let's go back. Uh, no, no but, it wasn't announced. It was yes. announced on. A- yeah, Twitter. It's announced on Twitter, but uh, but let's go back first. So on January 5th, uh, Paul Tenorio tweeted out that LAFC's assistant general manager, Will Koontz, is leaving the club per source. Um, that that prompted Kevin and I to have a conversation on one of our podcasts where we said the Yellow Galaxy need to sign Will Koontz. He wouldn't need to move. He could stay where he's at. This, is, this seems like this is absolutely going to happen, and this was sort of in that uh, those that... Was that during the gray period, Kevin, before we found out whether or not Chris Klein was being extended or not?
0: Yes. Yes. It was right. Right. It, kind of right in the middle of the great period. Um, and so, it, you know, there was speculation that perhaps he would replace Chris Klein. We'll talk about that in a minute.
2: Yeah. Um, so anyway, so uh, w- so we said, hey, the Galaxy should go out and absolutely get this guy. Will Koontz uh, started his his sporting career with the Yankees, um, started as an intern. There's a really I read a whole article about him today where he basically wanted to send, send George Steinbrenner a letter because they, he was alumni of the college. He went to Williams College. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's probably a university and everybody who went to Williams will be very upset with me. Uh, but he went to Williams uh, and George Steinbrenner went there. And so he was trying to figure out how to send a letter to George Steinbrenner saying, hey, I want to come intern for, with you, whatever it could do, blah, 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 the whole deal. Uh, and so he he didn't he didn't know how to get the letter to him. And so he just emailed the president of the college and was like, Hey, I'm trying to get a hold of George Steinbrenner. I, can you imagine the cold, like just the cold email that comes through? It's like, I'm trying to get a hold of George Steinbrenner. Do you have an address and the whole deal? And the the president of Williams is like, I know George. He goes, why don't you come to my office, bring the letter. I'll send them a letter with your letter saying that I'll, I, I suggest, I want you to do this. And so uh, they sent that, le- that happened. The college uh, president sent the letter down to George Steinbrenner. Kuntz goes down there, Kevin, and uh, he goes through and they're sort of like, they showed him, you know, gave him a tour and did all this stuff and they're showing the stadium and they sit down. They're like, all right, where do you want to work? Because Steinbrenner, George Steinbrenner has already approved your internship before you even got down here. Right. So you've already been approved. So where do you want to work? And he's like, well, I want to work in baseball operations. And so he was with the Yankees. Um, I think when they won two pennants in one world series, uh, eventually ended up being in that under Brian Cashman, the general manager, the whole deal. So he was in that like operations uh, field. And and
0: Ended up as director of scouting, as head of the scouting
2: department. He did, and the they Yankees. and they called him the the like the wonder kid, right? That it was the Yankees wonder kid, and and all this stuff. Then. He leaves the Yankees and he goes and works for Major League Soccer and he works in in the uh, in the field where that sort of combines legal and everything else, but he was helping to write contracts with players. He was helping to figure out rules and a whole bunch of other stuff. So you're talking about somebody who has been deeply involved and is deeply intimate with the rules of Major League Soccer. That's whenever he left that position to go to LAFC, um, largely known as the best number two in all of Major League Soccer, Will Kuntz. Um, it was reported, I believe, by The Athletic um, and then uh, you can... You can you can give your your approval of this as well, Kevin, uh, but that Will Koontz will join the L.A. Galaxy. Uh, so what do you know about this?
0: Well, first of all, I really like Will Koontz. He's a great guy. He's a really good guy. His background is, that you just went through, I mean, yes, he was scouting baseball, but but in, in scouting, there are some similarities between whatever sport projecting body types those kind of things uh, you know mental makeup physical makeup those things all translate he may not be able to tell you know he may be still be better at telling whether a right-hander is going to be able to develop a change up as opposed to whether a soccer player can use his left foot but there is some similarities in scouting i think he would be he would be well versed in 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 working in that world but the other thing is the contract, and the and, and he helped to develop the salary structure. He knows that stuff inside out. You just went through this whole thing with Efrain Alvarez. I still have no idea what you were talking about. Uh, Will Kuntz knows that stuff. Not only does he know that stuff, but he knows how to find the holes. I mean, look at what LAFC has done over the last couple of years. That, you know, that last year, bringing in Bale and, and Cellini. I mean, he's part of that. Yeah.
2: Uh, the other thing I, I, heard, really I heard, by the way, I would just want—I don't mean to interrupt—but I heard that he was instrumental yeah. in Chiellini coming over as well. So he was. Yeah. He he actually uh, talked
0: to Chiellini's brother, uh, and and yeah, he was instrumental in getting him over. But one of the things that um, is really I think appealing about him, if you're at the Galaxy, is that he he works in the shadows. He doesn't run out there and and beat his chest. John Thornton gets all the credit. John. John Thornton will tell you that Will Kuntz is a big part of his success. Will Kuntz doesn't claim that. So he's going to be a guy who's going to work in the background, um, and he's not going to claim the headlines for himself, but he's going to be very, very important to the Galaxy. Now, um, I've been talking to him for a long time, and we exchanged text messages after he left LAFC, and he coyly said, I don't know where I'm going to go. I'm you know, looking at some options. And it, you know, he has a family. He's not going to leave LA. It was obvious from the start he was going to the Galaxy when I heard over the weekend that there were rumblings that he had actually signed with the Galaxy, I sent him a message and I said, congratulations on the new gig. And he said, thanks a lot. You know, he confirmed he's with the Galaxy. And I said, what is your new job? And he didn't respond for a long time. And so then I sent him a message. That I goes, wow, that's I said that that sounds like a really important job. <laughs> and he, he messaged back, LOL. And he said, it's still being determined. Here's what I think.
2: Um, speculation time. Given, Everybody, put your speculation yeah. hats on. Okay. Yes. Con- continue.
0: Given given the situation, the Galaxy front office uh, is that to speculate. It says papusa.
2: It says Spapu- I was just hungry. So I,
0: Spanish I, Spanish for speculation. Okay. Um, given his expertise in in the contract language department and in scouting, and given the fact that the Galaxy, I think, need to sort of isolate Chris Klein. Chris Klein is great on the business side, right? Supposedly, according to Chris. Record revenue last year in sponsorship and ticket sales. So he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to be on the business side. He sort of like, lurked over into, into player personnel stuff. He needs to get back to the business side. And, and this is a model that Will Koontz is familiar with. LAFC has co-presidents. They have a business president in Larry Friedman and a sporting president in John Thornton. And the two do not mix. So I see Will Koontz coming in, assisting Greg Vanny, doing some of the contract work exploiting some of the loopholes, maybe helping Jovan and scouting a little bit. He certainly knows that world. But I see him, his primary role is a firewall to keep Chris Klein away from player personnel and to make sure Greg Vanny has no, uh, not that Greg Vanny would want to, has no influence or whatever on the business side to keep those two worlds apart. Um, Because, you know, let's face it, as much as the supporters want Chris Klein to go, he's not going anywhere. And he's not going anywhere for two reasons. One is if the Galaxy and AEG give in to the supporters now – What's the next demand next year? do They want pink uniforms or do they want to have uh, all the games played at the Rose Bowl, whatever they, the AEG realistically in a real world scenario cannot be seen. I don't think it's giving in to the supporters. However, the supporters have, you know, are, are very important to the club. Clearly if the, if AEG can say, look, we heard your concerns. We know what, we know what you want. We got Will Kunz in here. We're going to put him in between. He's going to be, he's going to be the firewall. You know I, I think that supporters would have to at least consider that as a reasonable uh, um, compromise um, and, and maybe everyone can move forward with that. I, I think it cost the galaxy some money. I don't think Wilkins was cheap at LAFC no, no. and he left and if he left to come if he left to go from the best club in, in, in MLS to what essentially right now is a rebuilding project, I would imagine he got a substantial raise. That's quite a move.
2: Can we I mean, you know, again, and we try to point this out as much as we possibly can when the galaxy get it right. We trumpet the fact they get it right. This is getting it right. I don't know what position they're going to put them in. Uh, I like your idea. I think that that the speculation you give on that is 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 spot on. I don't know that I would change it in anything. But I'm also not like wouldn't be totally surprised if it's if it's some like side door gig, you know, oh, well, he's going to be in charge of scouting and analytics above Mikey Stevens. And, you know, they sort of I know Mikey Stevens is director of scouting, but Will Koontz is going to be like the director director of scouting and he's going to be, you know, that type of thing. And I I, so I'll wait. I'm going to leave that up. But uh, bottom line is that. If you want to be the best, you have to get the best in those positions. That was what we were talking about um, whenever we were talking about Garth Logger going to Atlanta. Right now, is it a coincidence that Atlanta's starting like, uh, you know, on fire now that Garth Lagerway is there and the whole deal? Maybe a little bit, but also Garth Lagerway just has a tendency to make things happen uh, whenever he goes places. So if you're the Galaxy and you don't go get Garth Lagerway, then that means that you didn't want to go get the best guy for the position. And you had a chance to there was overlapping. Maybe you could have done that. Right. So with this, with Will Koontz out there, yes, they got it right. Uh, this is a guy who loves analytics, uh, but also understands that, that there's a limit to that. Right. And it's always the same thing that we always talk, try to talk about with analytics is that it informs you of things that maybe you weren't seeing and allows you to see those things once you look at them correctly. He doesn't think that analytics are the be all end all. Correct. Right. And so he's looking for team fit. And I think that when you look at what he's been able to do, the players he's been able to recruit, his background in contracts and everything else, this is. Uh, and excuse the baseball terminology here, but because he play, he was a Yankee guy. Uh, by the way, he grew up a, a diehard Mets fan. He lied to Steinbrenner and told him that he was a diehard Yankee fan. Um, but whenever you, you bring that in, it's a home run. Um, and this is what the Galaxy should be doing. So
0: well, I I like your pushback because I think the scenario I laid out is a win-win for everybody. You get a quality guy in a great position where he can be helpful. You you can you have a opportunity to address the the unhappiness with the front office situation. You have an opportunity to have Chris Klein stay in the lane where he is most successful. Um, and and you have, you know, will again as that traffic cop, uh, able to use all of his tools. That to me makes a lot of sense, and and it should be the thing going forward. But as you just said, never underestimate the galaxy's ability to screw this up.
2: I don't think I said that. I think you came to that conclusion from what I said. Um, that's the and I I would agree well, we, we in general. Agree yeah, that. I that's would agree right. in general. I'm just saying I didn't <laughs> right. say that. Um, I'm just saying I want to see what sort of how it comes about. Let me oh, let me see way, how I, he I fits. Did- yes.
0: Uh, After uh, Two days after Will Kuntz confirmed to me that he is with the Galaxy and that they are trying to find his position and and actually kind of intimated that he's kind of been with the Galaxy for a while, uh, I called the Galaxy to ask um, for some clarification. What what is Will Kuntz's position? And the response I got at first was, who's Will Kuntz? And then when I said, I already know he's working there, he's already told me. Then they said, we will tell you his position when we write the press release. So there you go. Maybe they don't know. Helpful as always. Helpful as always.
2: Maybe they don't know. You don't don't know. Maybe they don't know. Maybe. Maybe they don't know that's, what his position possible. is. I feel like maybe we've he's going to be, he's going to be the missing winger. Ha, he could be, maybe he's going to start. Um,
0: he's he, a big guy. He's a big athletic guy. He would be, he would be good.
2: Played basketball for Williams, I believe. Um, yeah. and was, I think they won a championship while he was there again, do, dove down a rabbit hole today to sort of to look at some of those things. So anyway, this is, you know, this is a way for the LA galaxy just to, to maybe squash some of the protest things. I'm not saying it's going to work, um, I'm not saying that the supporters groups will be will be, uh, you know, satisfied with this outcome. But I am saying that we had talked about Chris Klein moving into a different position with AEG and getting him away from sort of the soccer stuff. If you can keep him up and if you can create that firewall, then maybe this this ends the boycott. I don't know that. I'm not a supporters group person. We'll know whenever we know. Um, so something to watch watch for what this is though right watch for who this is watch for what position he has um but as far as i'm concerned the mere fact that he will be in the front office every day as he's works is a win for the la galaxy because these are the types of hires that you expect the la galaxy to make quite honestly
0: and he's a super smart guy in addition to being super talented uh unless he sold a bill of goods i think that he was uh, certainly smart enough to make sure that the position he's going into is one where he's going to have some influence and some power. He's not coming over to be somebody's secretary. Uh, you know, he's as great as secretaries are, he's coming over to to be in a position of influence and a position of power and and someone who's going to have an impact on this team.
2: Yeah. He didn't leave a number two spot to go to a number two spot. He went, he left a number right. two spot to be a number one guy. Right. And so you'd have to yeah. imagine he's a number one guy. Um, and so again, uh, really exciting to sort of see how that comes out and how that plays um, for the rest of it. So I think that's it. LA Galaxy get to head off against Portland Um, coming up. Uh, Yes, everybody says that I'm angling for free pupusas. Um, I actually like to pay for my pupusas, much like Mr. Kevin Baxter, because the money goes to a great cause. I can't think of anything. Uh, and I've talked to Steve over at AFTRA a whole bunch. Um, and I think I even screwed up. I was supposed to have, uh, I was supposed to tell you something about on Thursday and Thursday's show got all crazy because Joe came on at the last minute. Uh, not Joe's fault, by the way. Uh, but Joe came on at the last minute. I don't know that I was 100% prepared for that. And so it scrambled the rest of the show. Um, that, that listener, by the way, who said that we needed to have like not go off the rails and be, I think was an accurate criticism of that particular show as well. I thought I, I, it really hurts whenever they're right too. Um, because that that last show with Sophie was all over the place, mostly because I was sort of scrambling, trying to do stuff. But the the after guys and what they're doing um, in El Salvador and and what they're allowing kids to do and the growth. And, and we're going to have Steve on as soon as uh, he's available and as soon as we can to talk about what they're doing down in El Salvador with the money that you're spending at his truck and the LA Galaxy Foundation are donating back the m- portion of the money that usually goes to uh, the club for the concessions and all that stuff. So it's super important that if you if you're in boycott mode and you don't want to spend money at the stadium, you can still go to Afcha and you can have a real impact with that money and where it's going. Right? If that's what you what you feel, and even if you're not, there's they have good food. And dude, I mean, they're doing great things down there. So absolutely. 100%. yeah. Every,
0: every pupusa funds a youth soccer player in El Salvador.
2: Oh man. I, I mean, yeah, it does up to a certain point. I, don't, so, I don't... so
0: when, when they win the gold cup and beat the U S it's your fault.
2: Yes, absolutely. You, you, yeah.
0: Those of us that buy pupusas, by the way, there's one thing we got to clear before we run the record. I had written that they were off to their worst start since 2009 because right. it's the first time since 2009 they oh, have not won right. one of their first three games.
2: Yep. Okay. Here's the chart. And, Okay, the chart but says. But you point out that yeah, go ahead. That
0: that's not true.
2: It's kind of not true, and let's let's be very clear. And It's that kind it's, of true, and it is kind of true. Um, twenty twenty, of course, was the MLS's back tournament in Orlando, uh, and so the third game of that particular year was not played on the regular MLS season. Remember, it went all the way until July uh, before they actually played a game. They played that tournament in Orlando, <clears throat> and so. Yes, the tournament counted for regular season, but it's also probably it's a weird sort of if and half in between. So if you're talking about regular, regular seasons and not one that had a tournament in the middle because of COVID and the shortened season and everything else that sort of went around there, then you're 100% correct. 2009 is the is the last time that they started uh, this slow. And the graph points that out that two points the first three games. Um, Otherwise, 2020 if you want to count that tournament as something they had one point through the first three games
0: yeah they, they had a draw i think the first game with houston was a draw and then they lost the next two one of those the second of the two being right in orlando before no crowd in that goofy tournament yeah. so yes they they this is the worst start in mls in all games i don't even know how you define that also the thing about the attendance you're saying twenty three thousand one hundred twelve was their worst opener since 2013 That's not true either, because in 2021, they played before 6,000, but that was limited by COVID. So I think we just Mm -hmm. say either COVID gets an asterisk or we just anything involving COVID doesn't count anymore.
2: Yeah, it's it's one of those uh, weird things, especially whenever you're trying to do stats and trying to keep all those things. It's just like also to point out 2020 was a statistically worse year than 2017 when the LA Galaxy won the wooden spoon. They didn't win the wooden spoon in 2020, but they were close to. Um, there were actually teams that were worse than them, so they didn't win it. But statistically, if you sort of played out a 34 game season, they would have had like basically a wooden spoon like, um, performance if they did that 2009, which is the last time they started out this low, completely different story, which is where they went to an MLS cup and lost to real salt lake under Bruce arena in his first full year. Cause he came on the end of 2008. Um, and then took over in 2009, really, and and put that team together. And by the end of the season, the LA Galaxy were the best team in Major League Soccer. They, had a,
0: they opened the season with like six draws or something. Yeah. they just had draw, draw, draw. They got that points. They just didn't win any games at the start.
2: Yeah. So, um, so anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. That's that's sort of where uh, <coughs> where we look at all those things whenever we're trying to look at those. So completely different uh, islands whenever you're looking at 2009 and 2020. Um, so. That's where we stand. LA Galaxy taking off and playing against Portland this week. That's a 1.30 p.m. uh, kickoff time. Uh, Games on Fox and will be on MLS Season Pass as well. Game free on Fox and free on MLS Season Pass, according to my little cheat sheet there. We'll get you kickoff times whenever it comes. And, of course, we have a show on Thursday coming up that will get you ready for that show as well. Um, I think that's it, Kevin. We good? Let's. We're good. I don't want to talk anymore. You look like a trucker with that hat on. Thank you. Thank you. Keeping, keeping, we have, you know, we have, we have some listeners who we are truckers. truckers yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. they're outstanding. So, uh, this is my salute. This trucker's hat is a salute to pupusas, a salute to AFJA, and a salute to our logistics chain and the truckers who keep it rolling. All right. So, there we go. See, we, we, this is America right here. Uh, and, and I'm glad, I'm glad that we could, uh, we can promote all of those things. And pupusas, man. Oh. I'm, I, I'm mad I didn't get there early enough to get one. I will try to get one for the, they the were, next they, game.
0: Were, they were really good. They were All really right. good. All right. And I really appreciate them letting me jump the line. It's not because I don't value the regular fans. It's I had to get back to the press box.
2: Just yell at Kevin anytime he tries to uh, to cheat the line ever again. Just remember that. All right. Yeah. If you're looking for him on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. Head on over to latimes.com. He'll have a column coming out tomorrow uh, that you'll want to catch for sure at latimes.com. Make sure you check it out. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGuesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course at galaxy podcast head on over to corner of the for all the podcast youtube channel subscribe like all those fun things we certainly appreciate all of your support all right think that about does it for us tonight for mr kevin the panda baxter i'm josh pato Guessman. you've been listening to corner of the galaxy from the box
1: on corner of the galaxy.com have a great one everybody you've been listening to the corner of the galaxy podcast on corner of the galaxy.com you can follow the show on twitter and instagram at galaxypodcast